In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the entrance of your word brings light. Thank you for it lifts burdens, it destroys yokes, it encourages, it, it, it causes hope to rise, faith to rise, and more. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Today is um, the last part in the three-part series that I started four weeks ago, living in a pressure cooker, living in a pressure cooker. And it was really to address the challenges that we face in 21st century London, and I assure you that would be the same in so many other cities and towns across the nation and across the world, where there is so much pressure on the average person and from the statistics we get, we are not coping well with the pressure. Pressure at home, pressure at work, uh, just pressure on every side. And the first part of the series, we actually looked at the picture. And the picture was a pretty grim one as we realized that so many of us live under such stressful circumstances and many of us are not coping. That's why the issue of mental health has risen to the top in, in terms of the things that we are now most concerned with. Uh, we looked at how um, so many people were under pressure, young and old, and how they were not coping with the pressure. The result of the pressure, whether it was uh, pressure at home or pressure at work or pressure in school, was that a large number of people were buckling under the weight of pressure. So, so many, we, we reeled out all the statistics. The large number who are uh, contemplating suicide, have attempted suicide, are self-harming themselves. The, 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 the marriages that haven't been able to cope, the children that have not been able to cope with the, with the pressures, um, the, the number of young adults that are increasingly having suicidal feelings, we looked at the, the general stress factors, the common ones, divorce, the loss of a job, the death of a loved one, being unhappy in a job, having a heavy workload or, or too much responsibility at work, taking care of an elderly or sick family member, emotional problems that create stress, traumatic events that create stress. Even things that are good, like getting married, are actually very stressful, we found out. Uh, money issues, financial issues that create Stress, the rising mountain of debt that so many are struggling to cope with, health issues, either a person's health issues, a friend's or a relative's long term health issues, um, people's dissatisfaction with their appearance and their body image, uh, housing worries, uh, the pressure to succeed. 60% uh, of 18 to 24 year olds uh, have, have said they are not coping with the pressure to succeed. And then we looked at the early warning signs of this, of that, that a person is succumbing to stress, the headaches, the excessive fatigue, the 
the difficulty sleeping, the difficulty concentrating, forgetfulness and memory lapses, the physical signs, uh, uh, stomach disorders and things like that, uh, constant irritability or anger, an unusual anxiety or, 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 or nervousness. And then we saw that these things, if they're not handled, can have uh, long-term effects. And some of those if, if long-term effects are actually serious. Depression, high blood pressure, uh, respiratory and cardiovascular systems that, that really start to collapse or have problems, heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, uh, excessive weight gains or weight losses, pains in, in a person's body that have become the norm. It could af affect a person's sex drive. Uh, we, we looked at that. Um, it magnifies the symptoms of menopause. Uh, it can weaken a person's immune system. It can lead to all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Uh, type 2 diabetes, for example, could be a function of, of the stress. But then, uh, after the grim news, we started to encourage ourselves. Because what does the Bible have to say? Um, can something that so many of us are dealing with and going through not have the Bible? The Bible doesn't speak about it. And so we started to look for solutions. How do we cope? Because the only way we can't get out of the pressure cooker, it is a pressure cooker. Life in London is like that. Life generally increasingly has become more stressful. But how can we cope? How can we thrive uh, with, with this amount of stress? How can we overcome this stress? And we started by pointing ourselves to Jesus. Uh, the, he, he himself makes that call in Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 28th to the 30th verse. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says. It's a call to come to him and get rest. And we kind of started the journey of looking at this, what the scriptures have to say about dealing with stress. Um, we looked at our relationship with God. The emphasis was on a relationship. Uh, we loved the way the psalmist puts it in Psalms 23 verses 1 to 3. The Passion Translation says, The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. It starts with a relationship. I will always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens up before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so I can bring honor to his name. We, we spend time and, and encourage ourselves that we need to turn back to God, turn back to our relationship with God. There's provision in his love for us for a place where we can be revived and restored and where we can live a full rich life despite the stresses that we are facing. We talked about the Word of God and the nature of the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, and how the Word of God is critical if we are going to deal with it. Encourage ourselves not to be ignorant of the Word and to believe the Word and to read, study, meditate, and confess the Word of God. And so today as we wrap up the series in the third part, we're going to look at more ways of dealing with stress in this pressure cooker. Amen? And I'm going to start with the three core spiritual disciplines. Uh, prayer, the Word of God, and worship. I believe very strongly that these are the ultimate stress busters. That this is God's provision for His children, knowing that 
we will live in very stressful times. We will encounter stress at some point in our lives. If you look at most of the stress factors, I was surprised to find out that at least 50% of them I have, I have encountered, I have lived through. And what I'm sharing with you is how I went through what those, those circumstances that could have caused my life to cave in, but came out on the other side. So number one is prayer. It's God's remedy for dealing with anxiety, dealing with worry, and dealing with stress. It's Paul's instruction to the church at Philippi. Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? An antidote to anxiety, worry, stress, Paul is saying, is prayer. And it, prayer should have a result. If I come to God in prayer, then I rise up from the place of prayer, not the same person that came. I have cast my burdens onto his feet, and I have received in exchange for my burdens a certain peace that called, Paul calls the peace of God that passes all understanding. And sometimes it's because we don't understand the nature of prayer. You know, in the place of prayer, ex an exchange takes place. Our burdens for his yoke. That's what he said. He said, my yoke is light and easy. Yes, he has a yoke. The yoke is the commitment to a relationship with him. The yoke is the commitment to living right. But he says, in exchange for you committing to doing that, he says, I will take on your own heavy burdens. If I had my way, in addition to whatever GPs prescribe for, for, any, for stress or depression, I would definitely prescribe prayer because I know for a fact that it works. And the reason it works is because of the one to whom we come. You see, if I come to you to give to, and you're not capable of taking on my burden or not capable of solving my problem, I probably will live there worse off than when I came. But if I come to you knowing that you are capable, all power belongs to you. You are the creator of the ends of the earth. You see the end from the beginning. You are God and God alone. I come there knowing that something has to happen. Prayer is not an exercise in futility. Prayer is we pray to a God who hears and a God who answers. We can't come to prayer and live the same. It doesn't happen. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man always works something. It avails much. Can someone say amen to that? And so prayer is, we encourage prayer. That's why we teach our children to pray from a young age. Because then they haven't encountered the stresses of life. But we are preparing them for when they encounter the stresses of life. For them to know that when I encounter the stresses of life, I run to God in the place of prayer. And as I pour my heart out in prayer... He gives a certain peace. One translation says the peace of God garrisons your heart. He gives us a peace that garrisons our heart and allows us to cope with the storms that life brings our way. Amen? And the more you get into prayer and understand the dimensions of prayer, the, the more prayer is, is effective in our lives. When you come to prayer knowing that God hears, God answers. 
when you obey the Bible that encourages us, when we rise up from the place of prayer, to rise up with the attitude that God has heard and God has answered. It has a way of lifting the burdens that are placed on our shoulders as a result of the life we live in this stress-filled environment. Number two, the Word of God. I actually call this the ultimate stress buster. Because when we are faced with stress, the circumstances that cause the stress, the Word of God, it, I, I can liken it, it's, it's like medicine. Its role is to dispel the, the, the lies the enemy has told that has brought us to that stressful place. Because if you trace the source of stress, it usually is based on a foundation of lies. You're not good enough. You're not capable. You're not loved. Your situation is hopeless. Now, when you come to the word of God, it says the exact opposite. It says you are capable in Christ. It says you are loved in Christ. It says your situation is not hopeless because you have God. It says you have a future that is a good future. And as you ingest into yourself the word of God, it breaks down the things that the enemy has brought our way that have caused the stress, the fear, the anxiety. And also the word of God presents to us a God who is more than able. He's capable. And as we take in the word of God, we find that it really is a stress buster. If we read the word of God, meditate on the word of God, allow it to sink into our very beings, and then begin to speak the word of God. The word of God has the power to change our circumstances. Listen to what Solomon says to his son in, in Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Verses 20 to 22 in the Passion Translation. He says to his son, Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. How do we get radiant health and, 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 and true life? By, by infusing ourselves with the word of God. You know, if, if we will trust a doctor, it's a specialist, and as a result, take three tablets three times a day. We don't understand the medicine of it. How many know that you just go there and you trust your GP? How many know that? How many know you're trusting your GP's education? Yeah? If you're like me, you have no understanding. Of what, apart from those who are medical, Doc Wood, you know, divine, well, you probably will, you know, you will. Um, but for me, I just go there, they, they, they scroll in that handwriting that you, you can't, you don't understand what they are, what they are scrolling. <laughs> how many people, how many people, know, you don't understand it? They just scroll the thing, they say, take it to the, to the pharmacy. You go to the pharmacy with something scrolled, they give you something. I mean, just see the faith we have in a human being. And then we go home and we take it to ourselves. And, and if someone says to you, what are you taking? I said, I don't know. They gave me, they say, what's the name? Janoflalin or something or whatever. And then we ingest it. And we hope to get better. Can you see the craziness of it? 
And then we're saying, well, ingest the word of God. Take the word of God in. It's not the word of a man. It's the word of God. Take it in. If you're popping the pills in the morning, pop the word of God. Pop the pills in the afternoon, pop the word of God. Pop the pills in the evening, pop the word of God. And number three, worship. A study by Vanderbilt University confirmed that worshiping God makes you less stressed. The psalmist puts it like this in Psalms 42 verse 11. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? <laughs> Literally, why am I so stressed out? He says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And you know why worship works? You know, you, incidentally, you know, when Saul was tormented, yeah, they didn't send immediately for a doctor. And I have nothing wrong with doctors. I think doctors are part of God's, God's plan for healing. They sent for a minstrel, a psalmist, a worshiper, David. And David came and worshipped. And the tormentors left Saul. It's a very graphic story of a spiritual truth. That worship, worship is powerful in busting stress. And you know why it is? Because you can't genuinely worship God if, you're, if, you're, if you're, your senses are involved in the worship. You know, there's a worship that people go through where it is so carnal. You know, sometimes they do, we do Thanksgiving. And when you see the people dancing, you know that they're, they're, that dance is nothing spiritual. They are just... Just doing their own thing and enjoying their own moves and looking at themselves and making sure people are looking at them and, you know, and heaven is just watching and thinking, this is, this is good exercise, but nothing spiritual. But when you, when, you, when you worship God and the songs minister to you and, and the songs talk about the awesomeness of God, the vastness of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God. And as you sing those songs, Suddenly, the fact that you failed an exam and you were about to commit suicide, it suddenly pales into insignificance against the God who created the stars and the galaxies. How many know your exams in the stars and the galaxies are really nothing? You take it again next year and pass it. So just worshipping God has a way of making you magnify God so that you see the things through God's lenses. And when you see anything through God's lenses, it must line up behind the awesomeness, majesty, might, power, dominion of God. That's what worship does. That's like when you worship, you suddenly feel good. You, 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 you came to the place of worship, you were sad, depressed. The bank account was perennially, you know, talking to zeros. And, and just zeros only, no, no, nothing in front of the zeros. And you're just tired of this kind of life. What kind of life is this? But you just suddenly fin finish worshiping. And then you realize, come on, give me a break. The silver and gold is, go is, is God's. I'm a child of God. I'm not supposed to be living in a pigsty. My father owns the whole shebang. Uh, and I'm precious in his eyes. I'm the apple of his eyes. He numbered every strand of hair on my head. He even sent his son to die for me. Oh, please, bank, bank account, get behind God. Because this God is my father and he's more than enough. That's what worship does. That's why we encourage people to worship, 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 worship. And you know, I was saying to them in the first service that 
the, the truth, as the Bible says, is that the children of this world are wiser than the children of God. I said, because if the children of this world, world had the antidote that we have to stress, my God, they would have sold it to the whole world. They'll be having stress-busting classes by Ayo Adedoi, and everybody will be coming. And then he would put it, he'll have a blog. It'll be all over the internet. People will be logging in from Australia because he has empirical evidence that shows it works. You see, what the world wants to know, does it work or not? There's a guy called Dapiti Keys. I don't know how many know Dapiti Keys here. How many? Okay, just a few. This guy has to pay me some money for... <laughs> I was joking. This guy... He understands the power of worship. So, he's on YouTube. So, he has worship music for all kinds of things. He, and no, no singing, he just plays. He's so anointed. So, in our home now, he has, one of the ones he has is an eight-hour sleep and relaxation music for eight hours. This is a true story. We stumbled across it, Shola and I. We, are, we live a stressful life. Sometimes your work does not understand that this bed is a no-work zone. So your work follows you to bed. Anybody understand that? So you're lying down to sleep, but the thing is just buzzing around your head. You can't switch off. And sometimes you're facing stressful circumstances that you're really struggling to sleep. Dapitiki is, is our solution in our house. Once we start playing that thing, on YouTube. That's the beauty. Technology has done a great work for us. We, before, you had to look for a CD. Now, no, no. Just YouTube. Within 10 minutes, Shola and I are gone. It's the anointing that is on that boy's fingers. Some amazing testimonies he has shared. He has once he plays for healing. And I was listening to some of the testimonies, you know, that mothers, a mother was sharing about her child in Canada. All kinds of testimonies. So much so that we usually tell our son bedtime stories to sleep. So Shola does the, the telling of the bedtime stories for him to sleep. Now, he has got to a stage where he says, these bedtime stories don't make me sleep. The other day, it was my turn to put him to bed. So I said, count sheep. Just count them ju jumping over a gate. And after a while, he went quiet. I thought he had slept. He said, Dad, I've been counting. I'm still not asleep. The sheep are still jumping over the gate. <laughs> So we found Dapiti Keys. So we just play his sleep music. And as he plays on the keyboard, just serenading God, the Spirit of God infuses the atmosphere and he's gone. So what am I trying to say? I'm saying that it works. Anybody who's going through stress, worship. You worship. But then use also all the tools of worship. Infuse the atmosphere with the presence of God. If God comes, the atmosphere must line up because God is there. Can someone say amen to that? And our attitude must be the attitude of the prophet Habakkuk. Because sometimes this is life. And especially... The younger generation, I, I really need to talk to the younger generation because I just 
I'm baffled as to how the younger generation is just not resilient. I, I, I'm always fascinated how failing an exam can make somebody want to kill themselves. I, I would have died about seven times or eight times if you, uh, you fail an exam. You take it again. Huh? You take it again. I, I'm standing here today. You're listening to me. Do you know how many exams I failed? I failed some exams. I mean, yeah, I failed it. Take it again. But this young generation, you know, every, every little thing, they say, I'm overwhelmed. I can't cope. I say, what can't you cope about? And the reason is because they are simply not wired to deal with life. This virtual reality world that they live in has made them able to deal with a virtual world, but unable to deal with the real world. And if you're a parent, you have to start to prepare your children for when life goes pear-shaped as it does in most people's lives, at some point or another, it doesn't happen how we want it to happen. And they have to be sturdy and resilient enough to face life. And because the world is so changed, the things that helped us deal with life, you know, when I was growing up, you got home, you dropped your school stuff, you changed, you didn't go to a television, because in fact, in those days, the television started playing at 6 p.m. So during the day, you can't go to a television because there's nothing. 6 p.m., that's when the thing starts. So you went out, and you went out to climb a tree. Then the branch of the tree broke, you fell, and you broke a toe. So you suddenly realize that there's pain in this world and that you shouldn't do certain things. You went out to ride a bicycle. I don't know, am I speaking to anybody? Or was it only me? And when you rode the bicycle, you parked your bicycle, if you were like me, and you came out, and they had stolen my bicycle. At 10 years old, they had stolen my prized bicycle. I cried home, and I realized that not all people are good, like in your family, there are bad people out there who steal. You went out to play football, or whatever game, and you encountered the local bully. And so suddenly you realize that if I don't stand up for myself, people bully you in life. But with this generation, you don't. You encounter a cartoon character. You encounter something on some, on some PS something or the other. And then one day you finish school and you go to work in the city and you encounter the office bully and you don't know how to deal with him. But when I encounter the office bully, I, ah, you're the older brother of that boy I dealt with on the football field. I'm going to the same way I dealt with that boy, I'm going to deal with you. And so, so, so generation is growing up that's just not steady. That's why some of the things, they say, you know, I, I listen to this generation, say, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I say, why are you overwhelmed? The work is so much, I'm overwhelmed. Ah, if the work is so much, you, don't, you do what you can do, and the work you can't do, you don't do. Isn't that, isn't that how it works? I mean, am I crazy or what? I can't do it. You don't do, don't do it. You don't do it. So, so it's just not, they're just not a sturdy generation. And my heart goes out to them. That's why the incidence of mental health, the mental health uh, uh, challenges, and the results of it, sadly, are more in that generation. Because they just simply can't cope with life. Nobody has told them that, that sometimes life happens. It happens. Sometimes. Nobody plans it. It just happens. So the moment they encounter a hiccup, their whole life crumbles. 
And so we have a responsibility to point them to the word of God. The prophet says, Habakkuk 3, verse 17, 17 to 18, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle bands are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. That's got to be our attitude. It didn't work, but it's okay. I'm going to be joyful. I mean, somebody, somebody, oh Jesus, they really, you, you, you do a driving test and you're sad because you failed. You, you want you, your whole life to close because you failed the driving test. I'm thinking driving test. Can I give you some of the challenges I'm dealing with so that you know real challenge? Driving test, you failed it. You failed it because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. That's you failed it because you were supposed to do a three-point turn. You did four-point turn. <laughs> so go back and do a three-point turn. That's what you do. I remember many years ago when Shola was taking her driving test. <laughs> She's looking at me and she, she'd failed it. And she was distraught, very distraught, because she's a perfectionist, she passes all. You see, part of the problem is that when you haven't failed before, when you fail, it's a problem. People like me, we are, uh, we are experts, we fail. Doc, that's why I like Doc. Doc and I, we understand, you fail, you bounce back. What does it mean? Oh, you go, 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 go and kill myself because I failed. No, uh, they, they put failure there because people fail. That's what they put it there for. And they say the best, the best way to succeed is to learn to fail well. I failed well. That's why you're sitting here listening to me, because I failed well. You failed well. So Shala came back and she was distraught. She said, you're not going to do it. Maybe she's not supposed to drive in this world. I said, maybe you're not supposed to drive. I said, you see all these buses? That's how you're going to be going around. I said, so I let her cry when she finished crying. And I said to her, go and register for the next test. I said, after the crying, you have to drive. And she passed the next one. So if, she, if, she, if I hadn't been there to tell her, get over it. You know, people fail exams. People fail tests. B- businesses fail. Ah. Anybody who has succeeded in business who can't show you a failure is, is waiting to fail because part of the success of the business must be the failure that is in your CV. That's life. That's what we should tell our children. So go for it. Do well. But if it happens, it happens. Huh? Your life buckle because of a, a failure. Somebody say, he broke up with me, so I'm suicidal. I say, he broke up with you, you're suicidal. Go and do a Thanksgiving service. This, this clown you wanted to marry, God delivered you. Can't you see it? God delivered you from insanity. You marry this joker, look at you, because you, 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 you were your, you stars in your, your, your eyes. You look, God has cleared, cleared, cleared your eyes. You can see the joker. The clown has... And invariably, and I'm speaking to some people, I will not name them, but they know themselves. Invariably, they come back to me to say, Pastor, it was exactly what you said. Trust that you're in God's hands, that he orders your steps. If the guy leaves, the guy has left for himself. You know, people have a low self-esteem of themselves. If you leave me, I'm sorry for you. You have missed me. I'm sorry for you. That you left me, I'm sorry for your life. What you would have enjoyed, another person is going to enjoy. Sorry for you. That should be your attitude. 
Not I love me, let me so my world is coming apart. No, my world cannot come apart because of a human being. No, it cannot happen. One human being, and then he has gone off, he's married, he's gone with another girl, they're enjoying themselves, then I will be the victim in sorrow. No, 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 no. Yes, they're enjoying themselves, me too, I'm enjoying myself. When I see him, I just give him a good high. And, I, and by the way, I pray for God to keep him alive because he has to be able to see what God has done in my life. Oh. Anyway, let's move on. Number four, a support system. A support system. Church, family, and friends. Take advantage of it. That's what is called the support system. It means when I go through some challenges, some turbulence, God has already provided a system to help me go through. And for you and I, as a believer, our basic support system is our church. Take advantage of it. If you're in a church like this, take advantage of the support systems that exist. 23 pastors. That's a whole load of people to support you. And we're not distant from you. I don't finish the service. You know, people say to me, oh, I wanted to see you, but I couldn't see you. I say, it's not true. After every service, I come down here. No guard dogs. No bodyguards in dark glasses with, with bulges that show you they are carrying an AK-47. Nothing like that. At best, it's Peter or Archie, one of the guys standing around me. And they're standing there so that if I have something to tell them, I can tell them. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of 23 pastors. They're not running away. Aya is not going to finish and then suddenly think, oh my God, these, 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 these uh, piranhas are coming after me. Let me escape from this church. No, he's standing there. The relay is here. We're all here. Princess is here. Take advantage. That's what a family does, a support system. Take advantage of the professional counseling that exists. We train them, we invested in them. Some of them spend their money so that they are professional counselors and they bring a Christian dimension to it. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of the skilled professionals who are in this church and who have volunteered their services to us. Some of the best consultant psychiatrists in this country are sitting here. They give us their services for free. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of the small teams and groups that exist. And please take advantage of the connect groups. That's your family. If we miss you in church because the church is so large, your connect groups can't miss you. Your connect group can't miss you because your connect group is smaller. Take advantage of those things. If you're 18 to 30, join Esther's 18 to 30. Don't come to Jesus' house and say, the church is so big, I'm alone. No. There are many things for you to connect to that will help you as a support system. Join the mentoring schemes. There you get known by a name. You get somebody assigned to you. It is wickedness if anybody's in Jesus' house and he says, this church doesn't support me. It is evil. After what we have created as a support system, but you don't take advantage of it. So take advantage of it. That's what God created it for. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 25th verse, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. And you know, I have, I thank God for online. 
the, on, the whole online congregation. I'm a major supporter of it. As I'm speaking now, people are listening to us from the Middle East. They are listening to us from Asia. They are listening to us from Africa, from North America. Thank God for that. You know, they, they can't come here on Sunday. But you know, you just can't be down the road in Collindale and you decide that your church is an online church. No, I can't lay hands on you online. I can't anoint you online. You can't, can't shake your hand online. Those who are, far, who are far away, God has a way of making it happen for them. What if you're just sleeping in your bed in Collindale and you can't pay the price of waking up to come to church? As a lifestyle, it's a bit of a challenge. I can understand a one-off, you know, because you went out late at night. I mean, I, not that I understand it, but I accept that it can happen. Because, I mean, how would you feel if you came in and they say, where's Pastor? Say, oh, Pastor was at uh, uh, so-and-so's 60th birthday yesterday and he's tired, he's at home. You come this day, he's tired, he was at 60th birthday. Next day, he was at 40th birthday. The day after, he was at 50th birthday. How many know after a while you will leave the church? Because this pastor is not serious. And, and let's, let's not forget that. Whatever we, what, however we say it, it's an appointment with God. Let's, let's put it in the right perspective. He says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently because of the times. Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. That's what we do. We come together so we can encourage each other. We're eager to encourage each other and push each other to keep going in spite of the challenges. Amen? Number four. Is it four? Five? Five. Number five. Exercise. It's simple. You don't have to come to church to hear this one. On the NHS guidelines is there. Exercise lowers your body's stress hormones such as cortisol and releases endorphins into our bodies. Simple. Now what are endorphins? Endorphins are what we call the happy hormone. They just make you feel good. And also they act as a natural painkiller. They just make you feel good. You know, I mean, if you exercise, you know, just, just feel good. There's just a bounce in your step. And the, the reason is because endorphins have been released into your system by the exercise. So exercise. And you know, you don't have to necessarily join a gym. That helps in terms of discipline. But for a lot of people, you have made gyms rich and you have not benefited from the exercise, especially at the start of the year. So we're entering 2020, part of your new year resolution, is going to be to exercise. You're going to join a gym, and most likely by March, half the people will not be seen in the vicinity of the gym. It's over. And most gyms would have tied you down to a six-month contract, so you can't get out of it. So we're not saying you necessarily... But just be active. Walk if you can. They say 30 minutes of medium exercise every single day, or three times a whatever it is, a week works. But even just being active, you know... Deliver yourself from the bring brigade. You know, some people in their home, their favorite word is bring. Bring the remote control. Bring the water from the fridge. Bring the spoon. That's their, their, their favorite word. If you ask their family, some fathers especially, is bring. Are they bring? The person is sitting downstairs. The television remote control is five steps away. 
The person shouts to Rebecca, who is on the third floor, Rebecca, bring the remote control. Deliver yourself. Just, just walk. And this is what my wife told me. I used to be part of the Bring Brigade, but my wife, <laughs> Shala, delivered me from Bring. She said, I'll go get up and walk. You know, a few steps, pick remote control, bring it back. A few steps, open the fridge, bring it back. I mean, can you imagine? You're lying down on a couch and you're telling them to offload the fridge into your belly. (laughs) You can only be killing yourself. So since the challenge is the food in the fridge, at least walk to get the food so that at least the problem is reduced by half. Number six. Have a heart of gratitude. It's, it's a simple thing. You know, God has been good. Think about it. That song says, count your blessings. Name them one by one. It will surprise you what God has done. It is impossible to sink into the depths of depression if you genuinely overwhelm yourself with gratitude. That's the truth. Because you see, when, that, when the enemy comes with those lies... You counter it with the truth of what God has done. But you have to be intentional about it. Because sometimes we overlook what God has done. We take it for granted. We take life itself for granted. We take good health for granted. There's not, there's, you're not different from anybody who's dealing with a health challenge. Just, just that God has been gracious to you in that regard. We take the, the things that God has done for us for granted. Sometimes sit down when you're overwhelmed and write it down. Let it become a buffer to the lies the enemy is telling that is creating stress in your life. Whatever it is, just write them down. Think about them. Fill your mind with them. Let them change the narrative that the enemy is trying to introduce into your mind found this quote. It says, none is more impoverished than the one who has no gratitude. Gratitude is a currency that we can mint for ourselves and spend without fear of bankruptcy. And spend it as much as you like. Paul puts it like this. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated In prayer throughout each day, Philippians 4 verse 6, the Passion Translation. Offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. The psalmist puts it in Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter with the password, thank you. You just, Just be grateful. Be grateful to God, but also be grateful to people around you. Just be grateful to people around you. You know, the number of times Dane really says thank you to me is ridiculous. But she doesn't have, she doesn't have to. I, I get it. She said it once before. But every opportunity Dane really finds to say thank you. She'll write me a note. She'll send me a text. She'll tell me how she appreciates me. She'll, guess what that does? Once there's anything to do with Dane really, I'm ready to do it. Because I feel appreciated by her. You know, husbands appreciate your wives. Wives appreciate your husbands. Parents appreciate your children. Friends appreciate each other. Just be thankful. I'm thankful for a lot of things. I'm thankful for dog. Thankful for princess. I'm, thank- I'm just thankful. In fact, I'm quite addicted to being thankful. 
So let's get, let's get overflow with gratitude. You know, thank each other for the things that are obvious as counseling a couple. And it was a turbulent marriage, turbulent marriage. And they displayed the turbulence in front of me. I was exasperated, tired. It was a Sunday. I wanted to go home. Ah, on that day, I said, this calling is a tough one. So at a point, I just said, okay. This thing he has done. Because he was saying she never appreciates anything. She never appreciates what he did. I said, okay. He has just paid the fees, private school, for all these children. Is his hard-earned money. I said in front of me, thank him. The woman's nose fled, her eyes widened, and she said, thank him, pastor. If he does not pay his children's fees, who will pay it? At which point I said, bend your heads, I'm about to pray. Only the Holy Spirit can help this marriage. Just thank him. You know, if she cooks a meal, thank her. You know, be effusive in your thanking her. He cooks a meal, thank him. It makes you do more. Listen to this quote. Some people grumble that roses have thorns. I am grateful that thorns have roses. Depends on how you see it. Number five, number six, seven. Seven. Have the right attitude in life. Have the right attitude in life. Now, some people are gifted. It's a grace. That's how they're born. That's how they're wired. Some people are like that. And I'm like that. You know, I don't know. That's how I'm wired. For me, the glass is always half full. There's always a silver lining behind the cloud. All things work together for good. That's how I live my life. You know, be, be, be. <laughs> I've, I've missed more flights than you can imagine. Seriously, I've missed more flights. But my wife, she put me on the right track. Bless Shola, because when, when she has a way of just saying, please, line up with reality. So every time I miss a flight, I say to her, who knows whether that plane was going to crash? <laughs> That's why I missed the flight. <laughs> one, day, one day she said to me, I go, I don't know if she said it in these exact words, but let me paraphrase it. I go, please, be responsible. Don't, don't use this uh, whole thing to endorse your irresponsibility. She didn't say it like that, but this is how I got what she was saying. Be diligent on time and get there. If God wants you to not fly so that the plane doesn't crash, God will arrange it. Don't help God by, by being late and saying the plane could have crashed. So, I'm saying, you know, let's put, let's put that attitude in context. But have the attitude. That's just what I'm saying. The glass is half full. Some people can see it as half empty. I choose to see it as half full. There's a silver lining behind the cloud. That's just how I live my life. All things will work together for good. That's just life. It's, it's just the kind of attitude that can help you sail through life. And it, and it comes from inside you. Whatever you are inside, that's what you'll be outside. You cannot be what you are inside. You can't be different from what you are outside. Solomon puts it like this, Proverbs 4, verse 23, the Passion Translation. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. The affections of your heart affect all that you are. 
That's usually where to start with dealing with stress issues. Because usually you will find that people who succumb easily to stress, it's because there's already a fault line that exists in the substructure. But you can't see the fault line because it is in the substructure. Does somebody understand what I'm saying? So deal with the fault lines in the substructure. If there's a lower self-esteem, name it as what it is and deal with the low self-esteem. If there's bitterness, name it as what it is and deal with it. If there are wounds from the past, name it as what it is and deal with it. If you have you know, issues with, 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 with your father that, have, that has affected you, name it and deal with it. Don't cover it up. If there's an event or something traumatic, name it and deal with it because the fault line will one day have pressure put on it and that's when we'll know that there were fault lines in the substructure. So Paul put, uh, Solomon puts it like this. He says, above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the well-being of your innermost being for from there flows the wellspring of life. How well are you inside? That's what determines how well you are outside and how well you do in life. So a lot of us need to stop looking around and blaming other people. No, look inside first and check how well you are and be truthful to yourself. Can someone say amen? And lastly, the eighth thing. They tell us eight is number of new beginnings. So eighth thing. Laugh. Go on, say with me, laugh. Laughter is good medicine. I know because I laugh a lot. I sometimes look back and think, if I hadn't learned to laugh the way I do, I probably will not be standing here before you because I have faced some storms in my life. And as a, as a family, we laugh a lot. We just laugh a lot. That's before I even found out the benefits of laughter. Did you know that laughter relaxes your whole body? A good, hearty laugh relieves physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes after. You laugh now, 45 minutes after, your body's relaxed. It's better than going to a spa where you pay 100 pounds for them to massage your body and, in, you know, aromatherapy and all that stuff. You get it for free. Laugh. 45 minutes, your body's relaxed. They say laughter boosts your immune system. It actually boosts your immune system. They say laughter releases endorphins, which makes you feel good and acts as a pain reliever. Before you take anodine, ibuprofen, laugh. It might deal with the pain. That's what they say. They say laughter releases endorphins, and endorphins are a natural pain reliever. God wired it into our system. They say laughter protects your heart. It improves the function of your blood vessels and increases blood flow, which protects you against heart attacks and cardiovascular diseases. And I found this amazing. They say laughter burns calories. Somebody say amen. Just start laughing. Just start laughing. You don't have to go to the gym. Just be laughing. I didn't say that. <laughs> but they say laughter burns. They say a 10-minute laughter burns 40 calories. So if you laugh for 10 minutes every day, you burn 40 calories without going to the gym. And multiply that by the year. So just laugh. There's gain in laughing. And a study in Norway found out that people with a strong sense of humor outlived those who didn't laugh as much. 
And you know, I, I, I remember the story I came about of, of, of this guy, true story, who had been told that he had terminal cancer. There's nothing doctors could do. Basically, they wanted him to go to a hospice and prepare to die. And so he thought to himself, okay, they've given me a few months to live. I can just do whatever I want to do. And so he thought one of the things I really wanted to do all my life was just sit down and watch comedies, just watch comedies. So he accumulated all the comedies he could find. And every day he would just wake up. He had been giving time off work. Everybody was preparing for him to die. And he would just watch comedies and just laugh. Just comedy after comedy after comedy. The only medication he was on was that he was being given painkillers to dull the pain. But there was nothing anybody could do. Come three months, the guy was still very much here on this side. And he's beginning to look healthier. After a while, he went back to the doctors. The doctors did the MRI scans and all the other scans. The cancer had completely disappeared. He wasn't given any medication. He wasn't, I, to the best of my knowledge, he wasn't even a Christian. But just laughter, just laughing had somehow propelled him to a place of good health. Laughter is good medicine. So some of you need to laugh a bit more. Some of you take yourselves too seriously. Uh -uh, you're not that serious. We, we, are, we are watching you. We know you're not that serious. You take yourself so seriously. We don't even think you're that serious. Laugh at yourself. And believe me, there's enough to laugh at around you. The, people, the verse next to you. There's, there, there's enough to laugh at. They, they just don't tell you. Laugh at yourselves. I like the way you people are laughing. Just continue. Be laughing. <laughs> continue. Because this is your husband. There are plenty of things to laugh at. I'm sure you and I know. <laughs> you and I know. You might not know. There are plenty of things to laugh at. Laugh at yourselves. Don't take yourselves so seriously. Some of you think, think Christianity is, 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 is akin to religion. So you think that you are more spiritual, the more dull you look, the more solemn you look, think you're spiritual. Laugh. Jesus laughed a lot. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Father, we bless you. Well, give God a clap offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Father, we give you all the praise and glory. Help us, Father. We, we live in a, a world full of pressure. But you've called us to live a certain life. We find that life in your love. And in your love, Father, we can enjoy the fullness of life. Your, son says, your word says that your son came to give us life and life to its abundance. And, and Lord, that's what is part of our redemptive rights, a life to the abundance. Help us to live it, Father, in spite of all the pressures. Things are happening. Loved ones are, are, are not well. We are not well in some of us. Uh, we're dealing with mountains of debt, financial issues. We're not where we think we should be in life. We're worried about success, worried about the future, worried about pensions, worried about terrorism. There's fear on all sides. 
We're, we're wondering how we can cope with the responsibilities. We know we're not coping. We think we're drowning. We feel stressed out, Heavenly Father, on all sides. We're worried whether we will marry, worried that our marriages have collapsed, worried that our marriages are looking like they will collapse. We're worried about children, worried about parents, worried about siblings. Lord, there's so much to worry about, Heavenly Father. We're worried about our work. We're worried about our home. We're just worried, Father. There's just so much. Help us to learn to come to you and cast our burdens to you. Help us to learn to leave our burdens at your feet and take on your own yoke. Help us to learn, Father, to follow the spiritual disciplines, oh God, that relieve stress, this stress busters. Give us the discipline to institute some form of exercise into our lives, Heavenly Father. And Almighty and Everlasting God, help us to have the right attitude, to know that head or tail we win, to know that all things work together for our good, Father. And then help us, oh God, Father, to laugh. Help us to laugh with you, Heavenly Father. Help us to laugh at the enemy for his stupidity, to imagine that his, work, his efforts can yield results in our lives. Help us to laugh at ourselves. Help us to see the humor in some of what we do. Help us to laugh with friends and laugh with family, Heavenly Father. We give you all the praise and glory. With all heads bowed, if there's anyone who has not received the gift of salvation, his name is Jesus. You don't know him in a personal way. You can't say with certainty, you can't say with certainty that I have given my life to Christ. I have a relationship with him. You're watching online, you're listening on radio, or you're here in this auditorium. If you would slip your hand up wherever you are, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to accept him as Lord and Savior. Go and slip your hand up wherever you are. Anybody saying, please pray with me. I want to start a relationship with God. Father, we just thank you. I see that hand. Go and slip it up, slip it up, slip it up. You're not doing it to man, you're doing it to God. Slip it up, slip it up, wherever that hand is. Slip it up. Okay. All right, slip it up. I see that hand. I, I, I need somebody from the ministry team to go, go up to where the hand is up. Somebody from our team is going to come up to you and just talk with you. Keep the hand high. Anybody else saying, I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus? If you're saying that online, then follow the instructions on the screen. Father, we thank you and Lord, we bless you. We give you all the praise and glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, and together we say...